Earlier this past week, Cedar Rapids schools were closed for the day after the school district received a threat towards certain students. My thoughts and prayers were with those who were impacted by that. And if you were directly impacted, I pray that the week ended on a more positive note. A friend who lives in Marion and whose children attend a Marion school commented to me that even though this threat did not involve their children's school, he and his wife chose to keep them home for the day. The details behind the reported threat are not entirely known, but seemingly an act of violence. The United States has experienced 484 mass shootings so far this year. More mass shootings than the number of days in a year. Think about that telling statistic for a minute. Why is it that it seems more and more people are resorting to violence to solve problems or resolve conflicts? The past few weeks, Jesus has been telling his disciples different parables, lessons on how we are to labor in the vineyard of God and to do good works here on earth. Today's gospel is the second week that Jesus is telling a parable to the chief priests and the elders. It almost seems that Jesus is attempting to set them up, perhaps even trick them. This parable, another from Matthew, is on how a landowner leased his vineyard to tenants. At the harvest, the landowner expected to receive the produce, but the greedy tenants stone and kill the landowner's servants. So thinking his son would be respected, he was then sent. But the tenants perpetuated their string of violence and even kill him in the hope of accumulating more wealth from the son's inheritance. In the culture during the time of Jesus, many people took comfort in the idea that they were saved because they were members of the elite chosen people, the Jewish people. The chief priests and elders frequently took advantage of their status and wealth and comforts while judging the failures of others. Sometimes they resorted to violence by killing the messengers of God, the prophets, and those who were righteous when they felt threatened. In fact, the servants sent by the landowner to the tenants stand for the prophets sent by God to Israel. So Jesus sets up the chief priests and the scribes, the elders, with the question, what will the landowner of the vineyard do to those tenants upon his return from his journey? In Mark's version of this gospel, of, the, of this parable, the question is answered by Jesus himself. So it is interesting that Matthew has the leaders and elders answer, thereby, conde thereby condemning themselves. 
They respond with what seems the obvious answer. He will put those wretched men to a wretched death. And with that answer of violence, they've been ensnared. They should have remembered the scripture from Isaiah. The landowner, who can be thought of as God, instead punished the people of Judah for their greed and desire to accumulate more wealth by ruining the vineyard, giving it to grazing, trampling the produce, letting it be overgrown with thorns and briars and calling down a drought to come upon it. Ultimately, Jesus wants them to reflect on why they are so quick to dismiss him and his message that the kingdom of God is here and now. Are they more concerned with their wealth and status or about bringing the good news of God's love to the people they lead? What about us? What are our priorities? His parable ends up indicting the elders as guilty of disbelief in the activity of God through him and in his time. So returning to my earlier question, why is it that it seems some resort to violence as the means to solve their problems or resolve conflicts? Some people that resort to violence may justify their actions with faulty rationale. For example, personal defense, which can also be thought of as striking first in a preemptive move. It may be to teach someone a lesson, to achieve a higher good, or as a means to gain access to resources, such as food, material possessions, or even a more desirable girlfriend or boyfriend. Some psychologists think some people have a death instinct, an impulse towards destruction of themselves and others. Returning to the Bible, Violent acts are frequently mentioned. One example, Joseph being sold into slavery in Egypt at the hands of his brothers. Just earlier this week, Jesus was journeying to Jerusalem, and they passed by a village, passed through a village where they were not welcomed. And James and John, those sons of thunder, they were all set to call down fire from heaven to consume them. And what was Jesus' reaction? Basically, nothing. Nonviolence, a message of peace. And of course, Jesus' crucifixion and death came about from a violent act. But it was through this act that we received our salvation and a sense of peace. Likewise, the Bible has several messages of peace. Jesus' message of peace and that his way of nonviolence takes precedence rather than an overreaction or a vengeful act. In the culture of Jesus' day, his listeners might well have been surprised that the landowner didn't retaliate with violence after his first delegation was attacked. There was a cultural mindset that violence is answered with violence. The actions of the tenants and their resorting to violence and the killing of the servants and the landowner's son is somewhat relevant to the later killing of Jesus, but it also demonstrates the lack of respect for life itself. 
To have this gospel during this Respect for Life Month gives us pause to consider the act of violence in the context of abortion. For nothing is more violent than the taking of a human life, especially one in the womb. Father Dave and his pastor, pastor's pen corner is giving us a bit of catechesis with the statement from pro-life chairman Bishop Michael Burbage for Respect for Life Month. One aspect of his letter considers the plight of women who find themselves in an unwanted pregnancy. He encourages the support of them through what St. John Paul II first called radical solidarity. In part, this means a new paradigm, a creation of a new mindset that there are other options that support both the woman and her child while respecting the dignity of both lives. I invite you to read Bishop Burbage's statement to learn more. With the Supreme Court's decision to repeal Roe versus Wade, we have realized new opportunities and new responsibilities to build a civilization of authentic love. We must do all we can to help mothers and their children flourish. This cannot be accomplished by laws or policy alone, but requires the continual transformation of our own hearts so that we may recognize in every person the face of Christ and place their needs above our own. We pray that we may be of one mind and one heart as we respond to the needs of mothers and their children. As a Eucharistic people, we are a people of peace. May we strive to reduce anger by praying for patience. As people of peace, let us avoid violence and work towards peace. When we find ourselves in a potentially angry or violent situation, recall the words from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the God of peace will be with you. In his message for the celebration of the, of the Day of Peace in 1972, Pope Paul VI wrote, If you want peace, work for justice. Let us commit to stand against violence in every form and to build a culture of peace. <laughs> 